Hi, it's Karen here. I'm founder and owner of Bed and Breakfast Academy. I provide training courses to aspiring B&B owners, and I also run a marketing membership for existing B&B owners who want to learn how to market their B&Bs more effectively without relying on the online travel agencies and want to learn how to attract more guests booking directly. I also manage an amazing community of past course attendees on Facebook. In this week's podcast, I'm very pleased to be joined by Alicia Story, who is an award-winning eco-conscious designer who specialises in helping owners of bed and breakfasts and short-term holiday lets create uh, amazing designs that are going to wow their potential guests and to provide a useful space for guests, so a functional space that guests um, enjoy using and enjoy. Alicia also has the advantage of being a B&B owner herself, so she knows what she's talking about in terms of design and how a room should be used effectively. Just before we meet Alicia, I wanted to tell you about a new workshop I have, which is how to use Instagram effectively to get more guests booking with you directly. I know Instagram can be a bit of a dark art. How does the algorithm work? How can you stay safe on there? How do you make sure you don't get hacked? What are hashtags? Do you put your hashtags in the comments or do you put them in the main caption? What is a caption and reels? Do you have to do silly dances to make reels effectively? And the answer to that, spoiler alert, is no, you don't have to do silly dances. You don't even have to appear on video to make a reel that could go viral. So we're going to cover all of that in the workshop. I'm running two workshops and they're £27. One is on the 2nd of March at one o'clock for two hours and the other is the 6th of March which is a Sunday and that's at four o'clock for two hours and we'll cover um, really everything you need to know about using Instagram effectively. If you look in the link on the show notes you'll be able to find uh, a link to the workshop. It's also in, in my Instagram uh, profile. You'll find it there as well. I'm at Bed and Breakfast Academy. Right, so over to this week's podcast with Alicia. I hope you enjoy it. So I'm really pleased to be joined today by Alicia. And Alicia is the founder of A Design Story. And she is an award-winning eco-conscious interior designer who specialises in short-term lit, let and bed and breakfast. Alicia tells me that she creates eye-catching interior renovations uh, to make accommodations stand out from the noise, which sounds very exciting. And she also runs her own B&B in Scotland. So welcome, Alicia. Thank you so much. It's really lovely to be on the podcast today, Karen. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for joining me. I guess... It would be lovely if you could start with telling me a bit about your company and how it came to be and also about your own B&B. Yeah, of course. So essentially, uh, I studied interior design, interior architecture, uh, and then I went on to work in an architecture firm in London for five years. And I really loved my job. However, I wanted to explore making interior design more sustainable. So essentially I traveled for um, some time researching uh, bed and breakfast design. I stayed in a lot of places uh, while traveling to understand kind of from my perspective, how it is to stay in these places and what worked design wise, what didn't. And then I, a couple of years ago, I set up my own interior design studio, which um, focuses on 
um, couple of different niches, but the main one being B&B design. And um, you talked about things that worked well and didn't work well. So I think we're going we're gonna to cover that today. One of the things, uh, what, what we're going to talk about is your top 10 sort of tips to consider when designing your own B&B. Yes. With, um, I guess that eco-conscious slant to it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what does um, eco-conscious mean? Well, what does it mean to you, I guess? It probably means different things to different people. Yeah. So the, the main focus that I put on in terms of the eco lens is secondhand because you can renovate a bed and breakfast with reclaimed materials, secondhand furniture. And the, the benefit to this is it brings down the, the cost of the build and also reduces the carbon footprint of the project. So for me, it's a bit of a no brainer. It works really well. And I've done this with a few clients in the in Scotland and the process is 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 really nice and you get a really beautiful authentic unique design which seems to be a very big trend at the moment to see this kind of natural look to a space and something that has a story and a history to it so yeah that's kind of how I weave in sustainability into the design process. Oh excellent so when you buy secondhand items I guess furniture and things is it also about renovating that furniture to bring it sort of up to something that's suitable for a B&B room. Yeah, exactly, Karen. So, for example, it depends on if, if the client already had some furniture, for example, and they want to put it into the space or they maybe want to just see if it's suitable for the space. Quite often I'll look at the existing furniture and um, repurpose it or upcycle it or, for example, renovate it slightly. So you can basically take some of the existing items and make them suitable for the the, the space that they're going into um, or um, on the other kind of side of things if, there, if there's no furniture I'll quite often source secondhand furniture and then yes exactly in that case you can upcycle that as well to um, make it fit into the whole design aesthetic of the space. And do you ever use any new pieces? If you, uh, is there, Do you ever get to a point where you just can't find what you're, you're looking for? Yep. Yeah, I do. I use new pieces as well. However, I I do look at sustainable brands predominantly. So there are amazing brands on the market now um, for for bed and breakfast, which um, different like diff, different kind of bed frames or chairs or all these things which have sustainable uh, credentials. So it's really, yeah, it's it's really possible to to do it that way as well. But I do tend to do a combination because. There's so much stuff in the world. So local to wherever the, the bed and breakfast team seems to be, if you look on the kind of marketplaces and different kind of vintage and secondhand stores around that area, there's there's normally a good proportion that can be sourced locally. And then the additional stuff, yes, absolutely. Like, for example, things like um, bedding, for example, I would always go for new organic cotton bedding. So there's, there's different kind of combination so you can mix all the new together and it really does make a um a really beautiful unique aesthetic yeah yeah I was going to say there were some elements aren't there sort of like light bedding and mattresses and I guess potentially um upholstery because it needs to be to certain standards doesn't it for um fire fire safety I would think is that yes yeah that is that's a good point about the fire safety aspect of things you, you can sometimes find I don't know, secondhand sofas, which still have the fire label on it, for example. So the textile is, t- is totally fine. And yeah, exactly. So 
there there is a bit of a combination. You can get kind of re reconditioned mattresses as well. So they're they, they okay. they're very um good. They're very clean and totally fit for purpose. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a, there's a kind of balance. Sometimes some things can be new and some things can be old. So I've got into what you're talking about a bit more. So we were, we were going to start with your your top ten tip. Yes. So, what would be your your number one tip? Yeah. So number one would be to look at the functionality and the user experience of the bed and breakfast which you're um, designing. So essentially, to put yourself in the in the eyes of a guest that would stay there and map out all the different interactions they have in the space. So thinking about from the moment that they they book the bed and breakfast to the when they check out, the kind of whole um, the whole experience and everything in between, and then once you have this picture and you think about the different the different people that would stay in your bed and breakfast and their varying needs, it makes it much easier to design a space that will reflect your target market. So one tip that you um, gave Karen on another um, episode, which was really fantastic, was to was to stay in the bed and breakfast yourself because um, quite often you'll you'll do all these renovations, it'll be ready to go. And there's there's a lot of moving parts to foresee to think about all the different um, things you need to change it from a, like a kind of long-term rental into a, a short-term let. There, there is a variety of different things you need. So to, to live in it for a week or so and just see what works, what doesn't, um, how could the space be improved um, will make a massive difference to your reviews for for guests so yeah i think and um, really kind of getting in the eyes of your user is a is a really good thing and then you can essentially map out okay great so i'm now here and um, i want to kind of read my book now i'll put a little reading light over here and um, for example I, i've just come into the bed and breakfast where do i put my bag is there a nice like storage place thinking about okay maybe i'm here for a long weekend but i've got some work to do is there a place a desk for me to work with a, a plug socket um, close by. All these little things um, become really apparent once you um, envision how a guest um, how a guest uses your space, or you um, kind of put, become the guest um, for for a while within your own bed and breakfast. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I stayed at a hotel fairly recently. It's quite an expensive hotel, and, and the the hair dryer was one of these things that you know it's chained into the drawer so that you couldn't run off with it. Yeah. So, didn't reach any mirror yes yeah uh-huh <laughs> yeah and so things like that you're thinking about it all the time as well isn't absolutely it? yeah because it's like when you're when you're kind of initially putting these things in it's it makes sense like, okay that's fine i'll put hair dry here it's, it's a good good offer it's next to the mirror but when you use it yourself you just have a, a deeper understanding like for example in the, the bed and breakfast that i opened in scotland certain things like the doors they all closed but they didn't they didn't close comfortably and it was really annoying. So we just, we shaved the, the bottom of the door and everything just works. And um, I feel that good design should often be invisible. Everything just is easy and works well because um, it's well thought through, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like a, a, a bold statement wall or something. It just needs to have a lovely flow to it and, and the space kind of work to suit your 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 guest experience. Yeah. Because in fact, there's no point in having the bold statement wall if the room doesn't actually work. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And and the bold the bold features are also important because you need to get people to click on your listing to to interact with it and to book it. But yeah, it, it needs to all work in combination. So functionality is 
uh, so essential to look at, I think, uh, initially when looking to design your bed and breakfast. Okay. Now, you you make a lot of use of secondhand furniture and that sort of thing, but we're, we're looking at sort of, I guess, modern modern technology. Where do you stand with things like um, power sockets and USB ports and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think they're they're totally necessary, especially in the in the world we live in. And um, you need to have, I mean, we're so connected to our devices. You need a place to work, charge your phone, all these things. So yeah, these are essential. But there are some other ways to sort of when you're thinking about appliances in a house and um, in a bed and breakfast. There's ways to introduce energy efficient ones. For example, you get lots of energy efficient um, washing machines, dishwashers. LED lighting throughout a bed and breakfast makes a massive difference to the environment and also to the, the running cost of the bed and breakfast itself. So there's ways to kind of weave in sustainability on the electronic side for sure. Uh, but some things, yeah, they're, they're essential. You need to have um, the plug sockets and the USBs and, and all these things. Yeah. Preferably by the bed and preferably, preferably quite a few of them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, yeah, you need to have like, Simple things, just charging your phone overnight, which is super easy, super convenient on a little bedside table, small reading light so you can relax. And yeah, these things are absolutely essential for the, the, the functionality. I think it's 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 okay having one USB port, but people are traveling with more and more devices, aren't they? So yes. I've, I've got my um, iPad, which I use all the time. I've got my Apple Watch and I've got my phone. So I actually need three. Yeah, they see. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so, sorry, we said at Premier Inn in Oxford fairly recently, and I did notice there were several USB ports by the side of each bed. So. Yeah, and it really, it really does make a big difference to the to the experience. Like, um, if it's just it's kind of the it's all set up for you, it's all there, and it's easy. You just don't think about it. Great, I'll just plug in all my devices and then go to sleep. So yeah, no, it's 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 definitely important to think about these little touches. So maybe I go on to the the second point. Yeah. Um, which is layout of your space. So, so for example, when you're looking at the um, the existing plan of your space, it's really important to think about building on from the last point, thinking about the user experience of a guest, thinking about what exactly you're going to need in that space and how can you maximize spaces which potentially may not be um, very used. So in the bed and breakfast I have in Scotland, there was a very long, not narrow corridor that went all the way through the bed and breakfast. And it was just a little bit of a dead space. It didn't really do very much for the space. So what I did was I painted the walls in a really bold color and covered all the walls in art. And it makes like a kind of art gallery feel when you walk down. And now in majority of our reviews the thing that people talk about is the, the long corridor which before was just a, a, a kind of unused dead space so and um, these are yes thinking about the layout and how it can be maximized to give a really um, engaging experience for and one thing which I know and uh, we've talked about before Karen as well is thinking about um, not over not over cluttering your space, not feeling like every single little corner needs to have something in it because it's more to, it's more to clean, it's more to maintain. And um, so getting that balance so that there's, there's some decor I think is important to, to add to the space, but yeah, not um, cluttering the space with lots and lots of furniture, keeping it quite um, simple and uh, functional is, um, is kind of how I would approach it. Yeah, no, that sounds excellent. I love the idea of the 
at the art gallery along the corridor. <laughs> Thank I'm you. quite lucky. My painting behind me is my dad's. We, my, my dad's an artist, so we've got hundreds of paintings. So it's amazing. One of, yeah, it's, I think it's probably Scotland as well. So gorgeous. Yeah, people normally say, is that so-and-so in Scotland? Here? Yes, yes. <laughs> Wherever they say. <laughs> you just always sit, yeah. Yeah, you want it to be. Yeah. I'm saying exactly that specific. <laughs> <But> that's good. <laughs> um, but one of my friends who runs a B&B, she actually um, has local artists' artwork on the walls and sells yeah. it for them. Yeah. See, it's, and it's so nice. Um, it's so it's so nice to be able to also, yeah, promote local artists as well. And uh, yeah, all the ones that we have are from in and around the area which the bed and breakfast is in. And it's a lovely story. People love to kind of read about this. There's a little message about it in our welcome uh, booklet uh, to guests as well, um, which adds to the whole experience. So yeah, it's it's a nice nice little touch to to link with local businesses for sure as well. That makes sense. Oh, talking about welcome booklets, do you, do you, are you digital or do you have one printed off? So we have both. So we have a digital one, but we also have the, the hard copy one, which we did print on sustainable paper uh, with sustainable inks. And we tried to make it as durable as possible because they do quite often get fingerprints and stuff. So we kind of bound it in a little uh, book. So, but yes, I think it's, yeah, I think it's really good to have. I, I think most bed and breakfasts do have this offer, but it just, yeah, it just kind of enhances it because you probably have really good insight knowledge to that area, which um, people maybe are coming as tourists and might not have those insights. So, yeah, it's really, really good to put a lot of work into the the welcome book itself and to get as much insights. So even little things like if your bed and breakfast is set up as more of a short term stay and you don't offer um, laundry service, this is really good for people to have like their recommendations of, of where they should get this done and um, local tourism within the area. Like, for example, focus on eco um, tourism. So we suggest lots of local walks and cycles and um, different things in and around local to our bed and breakfast. So yeah, it can really add um, another layer um, of service for guests to kind of get the most out of their out of their stay. Oh, excellent. So yeah, I did, we actually did, I, in the, the B&B course, I've got a how to create a room design folder in Canva. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if people wanted to do their own, they, we can do that. So, and it's quite nice either to print it off yourself, as you say, with sustainable links and stuff. We can send it to companies currently to get them printed. Um, That's it. Exactly. Yeah. And you can, and yeah, Canva is, is actually really good um, to kind of make the tweaks as well and um, to, to make sure that you can tailor it to your area and stuff. You can add your own local imagery into it. So yeah, it's a really good um, resource for that for sure. Yeah, so it takes a bit of time, but it's something that people can do. I've got um, in the course, I've actually got a template which people can download. And- ah, fantastic. And yeah, that's so nice. And it's also nice because with the template, then you can just tailor it ever so slightly and make sure that the colour is matching with your website and with the, the brand overall of the space. And yeah, it just is a nice extra little kind of touch um, to, to the, the business. So yeah, that's, that's really handy um, to have the template available. That's a lovely resource. So uh, for people who don't know, Canva's an online software that you can get, which is a graphic design software, Yes, uh, which I, I, <laughs> I'm i not sure if it's something to be proud of. I got an email from them the other day saying that I'd, I'd reached the 2000 design target uh, goal, but, ooh, but it's a bit too much time on camera, I think. <laughs> 
Um, uh, so, okay, brilliant. So what would be your next tip, Alicia? Um, next tip, which we kind of touched on already, but I'll go into a little bit more detail, is um, buying secondhand where possible. So like we discussed, it brings down the, the cost of the project in terms of the, the raw materials that go into it. So um, I'm doing a series of eco-accommodation in the Highlands in Scotland, and we are cladding it all on the inside with wood. So we managed to get wood from an old gym locally, which got pulled up and the, the wood is getting sanded back and um, refinished and going into the space. And it's absolutely gorgeous and it's a fraction of the price and it's more sustainable. So little things like that um, really can make a big difference to the, the cost and the, the look of the space itself. So yeah, so that's kind of talking about the materials, but even if you go down to, there's so many construction materials itself, if you're at the early stage of a, a design, which can be sourced, for example, I source all secondhand um, tiles for the bathroom again, a fraction of the price. And then also looking at the, the furniture itself um, is a massive one. And there's some furniture items um, which maybe you want to um, source sustainably or buy new, but the, there are some pieces which are so easy to find secondhand. For example, coffee tables, they're everywhere. They're beautiful and they have um, they have a lovely kind of um, if, the, if it's a little bit weathered, a little bit worn, it adds to the kind of atmosphere and the coziness of the space. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a no-brainer for me to, to mix these in together. And there's some um, really good websites online now where you can, you can buy secondhand furniture as well. There's lots of auction houses and stuff as well. So there is definitely, it's definitely doable. It takes a little bit more coordination, but really adds to the atmosphere of the space. From my experience as well, secondhand furniture is built to last. It's constructed um, really, really well. Whereas often if you buy um, new furniture, yes, it's, it's maybe easy to, to buy from Ikea or something, but the, like, the durability of these pieces just don't compare with um, vintage furniture. So if you think about the kind of long-term uh, lifespan of your bed and breakfast and um, the repairs and like wear and tear, I, I really uh, recommend um, buying some of the kind of statement pieces um, or the kind of like really like durable pieces like a bed frame or the coffee tables, uh, the, the dining table, for example, secondhand, because um, you just... Um, you get that quality and the budget is less. So for me, it's a bit of a, a no-brainer. Yeah, excellent. You sound very passionate about the that side of it. Yes, yeah, I am. <laughs> for sure, I really am, yes. I had a friend and she did shabby chic really well, hmm. but I, I, it's, so it's probably not called shabby chic anymore, but it was 10 years ago, but. I, I found that if, if I bought, I, I just ended up looking like a jumper shop when I did it. So there, you do need a certain eye to it, isn't it? I guess, which is yeah. where, where, where your service comes in. And... Yeah. Yeah, it's true, but it is, it is doable. Like, for example, I did um, a project um, recently and I built the whole space in 3D in a distinctive style and before I'd even sourced the furniture. And then I was like, okay, now this is a big challenge because they the, the client wanted it that way around. They wanted to see how it was going to look before I sourced the furniture secondhand. Yeah, I did it. I sourced furniture almost very, very similar to what was in the 3D uh, model of the space secondhand. So 
there, yeah, there's just so much stuff which already exists in the world. So it is definitely possible to to create a really distinctive look. It doesn't have to look, yeah, it doesn't have to look um, very, I don't know, like one vintage style. It can look in all these different ways um, using secondhand furniture. Any any style under the sun that um, you require is possible to to create with uh, vintage as well. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. That's, that's <laughs> right. So what would your next tip be? So my next one would be branding. So we um, we touched on that a little bit when we talked about the um, the welcome pack, but creating um, a distinctive look um, in your space can um, really go a long way in terms of getting engagement from people and getting people to click on your listing and also reviews in general. People are now looking for more and more unique stays and um, because, yeah, there's a lot on offer and there's a really big demand for, yeah, like a, a really unusual USB to space. So I would highly recommend thinking about what could your space offer which is um, unique to your competitors in your area like for example um if you it could be something as small as painting everything in a really distinctive color um or it could be as big as introducing hot tubs or a sauna or something which makes it a really like unique place to stay within your local area so yeah branding is super important to create something which um really will just get the engagement and the intent, attention that you deserve because you put so much time into designing, like we talked about the first tip, the functionality, that people won't even get there unless they see it online and it has this thing which reels them into the into the space itself. So yes, highly recommend looking at some feature or some um, design aesthetic which makes you stand out from the crowd. And I think I've, I've certainly found that having that feature is fabulous if you want to get into a PR and get into newspapers, mm-hmm. magazine. Yes. Um, I once, um, I was in a woman and home magazine they, and they just, they were doing a top 35 places to stay in the spring. They said, can you send me a photo through? So send us a photo through. So mm-hmm. I just sent them, it was our balcony. Yes. And that was the feature, you know, the balcony, um, which we dressed up a bit with us with cast iron table and chairs and cake and flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that view, I think 80% of my bookings came from that article. That wow. That's incredible. Uh, that is incredible. Yeah. But it was, it, I think it was that whole experience. It wasn't just about this is a B and B and we've got two beds and we serve sausages. Yes. It was imagining yourself sitting there looking at that view. That is exactly it. There's like a story behind it. So thinking about a unique selling point, which is relevant. Like, for example, if your space is in the is is in the forest, maybe if you had a mural on the wall, which was linked to to nature, um, that would just sell that whole atmosphere, the whole um, kind of environment which you're going into. So there's a story and that's exactly like the balcony. It just kind of grab people's attention like I want to sit on there and have my morning coffee <laughs> and uh, it gets some sunshine on my face yeah it just kind of adds the, the whole yeah emotional part um, which people attach to and, um, and then they want to book the space so yeah that's a, that's a really good thing and thinking about like from a user's experience as well and um, I know myself included when I'm scrolling through places to stay if you think about how long people actually look like 
at your listing and you scroll past it like very, very quickly. The amount of time you have to catch people's attention is really, really tiny. So if you can create something um, in these images, and that's why the, the final photographs are so essential, um, to capture the space in um, its ideal um, light so that you really just you get that engagement that you deserve for all the hard work you've put into designing your space. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, obviously I've, I've spent a lot of time on social media over the last few years and yeah. I just, they call my own photos, but I think when it comes to rooms, I always get professional photographer in. It's, it's the lighting's really important, isn't it? It's very difficult to, if you don't know what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really true. I um, I don't take my own photographs. I also get a photographer in and I work really closely with the photographer to style the space. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, yeah, I'll, I'll spend a, at the end of a design project, I'll be on um, on site with the photographer and we'll we'll just move things around. We'll get the composition. We'll make sure the, the lighting is right. And yeah, to capture those really essential shots because they'll, they'll get used again and again for marketing. So yeah, it's really worth putting the effort into to hiring a photographer to to really capture it um, in its best light, for sure. I think hiring a photographer is a whole different conversation. I, I could get into that now, but we have. A, so that's branding. What would what would you what would your next sort of tip or thing to consider be? So next one would be lighting. So this is um, another one which I think is really really important to get the right ambiance and the right atmosphere in a space. So. Often I'll go into a space and it's overlit, which can be quite harsh. It can feel almost like a, a office environment or a hostel environment where it's super bright and it's it's not very relaxing. People are most of the time booking a bed and breakfast to kind of go to be on holiday to kind of escape the the normal um, working lifestyle and stuff. So creating a space which is really kind of uh, with lighting which is soft on the eye and really comforting and, and warm is essential I believe in a bed and breakfast design so you can do this by layering different types of lights so rather than just looking at the, the central lighting in space so if we take a living room for example you often have the central light and maybe the chandelier will have multiple light bulbs which could be super bright or you could essentially change the bulbs so that they're a much um, lower lux so there's less light that is kind of comes out of uh, the light fitting itself and then layer different lights so for example you might have lamps around the space you might have a task light which um, goes directly above a lounge chair so people can sit and read a book so it's more focused light for that particular activity and you might have um, LED lights around the perimeter potentially, which are wash up the wall, so it's less direct light and more indirect light. And all these little um, kind of details make a massive difference and really make the space just so cozy and inviting right away. So I always fill my interiors with lamps and ones which are LED. LED are absolutely ideal. So you can very very quickly just layer these different types of lights for specific tasks and then just for the mood and move away from having um, lots of overhead lighting and really does just make the space much more comfortable and inviting yeah it's something that's quite difficult to to get right we had we had a uh, a light consultant come in and do our rooms actually because we and she did the same thing you know we've got the led lights in the ceiling and then we've got side wall lights and then we've got the lamps and what my husband's actually done with the electrics is 
we can switch the lamps on from the from the walls, so you don't have to go out and switch yeah. the lamps on and off. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That that's a really nice thing. We we've done the same as well. So there's one switch which turns on all the lamps as you first come in. So yeah. And then there's a separate one for the overhead one. So you can just you can kind of change it. And if you do have the functionality, I know some benefits are kind of old houses and you, or the budget's limited, but dimmers are also amazing because you can you can just make it much more cozy and, and kind of change it depending on the time of day, um, whatever t- uh, whatever kind of lighting level you want to, to to suit so yeah oh yeah so one of the things we do in our corridors is have the motion sense lighting so we're not because we used to have to leave the lights on for guests and then the lights yeah. on all the time and when you come to think about the eco side that's not particularly great yeah. is it yeah and it's it's much easier today isn't it with high, the hive and that sort of thing because you can actually have the light bulb has got the motion sensor in it and you can control them from your phone as well which is um Yes, exactly. Having to do lots of new um, wiring, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really, really good tip. I totally agree with that one. That makes a lot of sense because, yeah, quite often you're going to bed and breakfast and the lamps are on, and you're like, "How long is? How, when was the last changeover?" Like, you don't know how long like that's had to just like be on waiting for your arrival. So, yeah, the the motion sensor is a really, really nice idea because, yeah, you just. You're welcome as you come in, but there's not that kind of wasted energy um, when the space is not occupied. So, yeah, so a really good tip. We um, do have a light in the hall that um, keeps coming on by itself, which is a bit spooky. <laughs> we have it sometimes, we have this bat that comes into the house and flies around. <laughs> it sets the motion sensor off. Oh, the bat's in again. <laughs> I mentioned that when I had B&B again. <laughs> I can tell you all now. I love the statement. The bat was a bit. <laughs> oh, that was funny. I don't mind them. My husband, my husband's. You do realise there's a bat in the bedroom. Oh, yeah. So moving on from lighting, what, what would be next? So one that links quite well is colour and the use of colour in a space. So colour alone can transform the atmosphere of a space, and you can use this to your advantage. So if you think about the different functionality of the space. So for example, cool tones are really good for relaxing. So maybe um, looking at lounge space or the um, bedroom, bathroom, like all these kind of spaces, cool colors are good. Then if you're looking um, for a space which is maybe like more energizing or a workspace or something, warm colors can uh, work really well in the space as well. Um, also thinking about how many people use the space. Maybe it's like accommodation which has lots of individual rooms and there's a shared social space for example then using warm colors like yellows and oranges are great because that will create a sort of um, environment which encourages interactions and um, social um, interactions essentially so yeah thinking about the, the the kind of color theory and the science behind color can be really essential when you're designing bed and breakfast and um, you can use it to create a really distinctive uh, identity which makes your place stand out massively because if you look at the majority of bed and breakfast and um, they have white walls which are totally fine totally valid and um, I also have some white walls and uh, where, where I am so it's absolutely um, understandable and it's really lovely and calming but introducing colour can make a massive impact um, and yeah we connect with this a lot so I um, will always put some colour in my bed and breakfast even if it's just like we talked about the 
bright blue hallway which leads you right down into the space or if it's um, a, a feature wall or um, looking at colour essentially can really yeah, transform a space and it's very, very affordable to just give a space a lick of pain. So yeah, I, um, I also... I can go into more detail maybe uh, another time on colour theory um, and I do offer um, advice on this, uh, how to use it together, but there are a few different kind of um, techniques that you can use that you can um, look up in your own time. So for example, one is called complementary colours. So if you imagine a colour wheel, so colours which are on the opposite side of the colour wheel are complementary. So that means they have the, the most amount of impact. So if you put them next to each other, your eyes are going to get um, drawn in. So so many brands, their logos use complementary colours to kind of get engagement. So you can do this in your bed and breakfast to really kind of, yeah, get attention on the on the visuals of your space. Uh, and then another one, um, which I use, again, all the time in the designs I use, which is a really good one if you're doing a kind of DIY design, is to look at colours which are next to each other on the colour wheel. So three colours next to each other on the colour wheel. And this is called um, analogous. So essentially, um, if you had a space which had a teal green sofa, for example, and you wanted to bring the space together a little bit more, you could add... Um, add uh, some wall art which has greens different shades of greens in it and then you can maybe add um, throw cushions which are in the blues um, and then a throw which is also teal for example so th that just by adding these colors which are next to an existing piece of furniture you already have will create a really beautiful harmonious look to the space and bring it all together so this is a really good tip if you yeah if you're just looking to renovate a space and make it um, all linked together and have a distinctive identity. So yeah, that's a little bit of a, um, a crash course on colour theory. <laughs> For Ben and Brett. Yeah, we could do a whole podcast on colour color theory. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, that's the condensed version. <laughs> It's something I'm completely rubbish at. I think all Airbnb rooms are all feather and ball string on the walls, and that's it. <laughs> Fairly warm colour, but you know. But so yeah, it's. I guess that's where someone like you understand this comes comes in is is really helpful if you're thinking about designing your Airbnb. Yeah, but I think yeah, warm colours in general seem to be the best because yeah, they're really inviting and cosy for a space. So. Yeah, I love to make a social space full of warm colours and um, it just kind of, yeah, mixing that with the the lighting to get the ambiance um, and thinking about the different sort of textures um, in the space as well, like throws and different things, just really um, creates a lovely, um, cosy environment. So, yeah, I think warm is good, but yeah, we could, we could talk about colour all day for sure. <laughs> Uh, it sounds fantastic. You're making me want to come and book and stay at your B&B store. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming you've got your own design tip. <laughs> Always welcome. But yeah, so yeah, so I'll just go on to the next one, which um, is thoughtful touches. So essentially this one is thinking about, again, it's building on the user experience. So thinking about the um the whole experience of your guests and making it as just as kind and engaging as possible so some things that some things that we include is a welcome basket for guests on arrival and um, with local um, local wine and 
different kind of snacks and stuff and um, which are vegan so that they're suitable for everyone so welcome basket is kind of a nice way to do and then we like for example thinking about maybe maybe your space is so every space kind of has a pro and a con um, for example our bed and breakfast um, it is um, not the, the quietest because it's in like a bit it's in the centre of a town so we for example offer complimentary earbuds and we have a white noise machine as well um, just in case it helps people a little bit so we little things about that just thinking about what your offer is read the reviews you get and then kind of respond to that by improving your bed and breakfast so that's some of the the thoughtful touches we also do. Also, like um, we touched on before, laundry facilities. Do you have this? Uh, can you provide a leaflet to suggest things to do? Do you provide team coffee? Think about the linen. Is that really high quality? And will it be a really comfortable sleep? And then also, yeah, suggest lots and love local recommendations for guests as well this can be super super helpful for people who don't know the area and just uh, wanting to get away for a weekend and get some insights and then of course the whole communication is really important like how you interact with guests how fast you are the response time adds to the kind of whole and um, personal thoughtful touches experience of guests so yeah that's a little bit on that um, and then i'll at least to my next point which is talking about long or short-term stays so for example um, if you're thinking about making a bed and breakfast um, I found myself that it's important to think about if you're targeting people mainly to book for a month or for like a longer period of time or if you're looking for like two three days because there is a big difference in the sort of thoughtful touches and resources that you need if people are booking for a longer period of time and when we initially opened we were focusing mainly on really short-term lets. So for example, things like we didn't have a lot of laundry facilities like um, clothes rails and stuff for people to hang up laundry. And then as we continued, we found out this was um, a requirement for people. So we, we dropped this off. So thinking about, yeah, the, how, how this space will be used if you want to kind of target um, really turnarounds or longer periods of time. So yeah, that's one which I... Um, think is really important even thinking about equipment in the kitchen for example if you're there for a weekend maybe a few pots and pans will do but if people are staying a month you might need a lot more facilities in the kitchen um to cook and to um yeah, have access to a freezer and all these different things um might be really essential yeah and I think it's also about thinking about the type of guests you're coming to stay isn't it so yes. even with short-term lets I'm thinking of if you've got walkers who are maybe walking on a long distance path from one B&B to the next it might be they need laundry facilities or drying facilities and yeah so it's about the length of the time and the sort of person I think exactly to stay. exactly yeah. Right. yeah which I think takes us on to your next point which I've got I've got, I've got a copy of all your points here <laughs> so I've got I've got an insider uh, view of things but it's is around the types of guests you're welcoming isn't it yes exactly types of guests so thinking about your niche like who who you want your bed and breakfast to cater for essentially and it definitely can increase bookings if you introduce if you allow a space to be accessible child friendly and pet friendly it can 
uh, drastically increase like the number of people that, that book your space. So it can be a really good tactic. However, it does also include more kind of infrastructure and thoughtful touches and yeah you need to design this into the space so for example if it's if you're going to make your space accessible it should be fully accessible so that it's really convenient for guests and thinking about every single um, interaction they have with the space so for example um the kitchen space is there space underneath the countertop so that a wheelchair can fit underneath is the oven placed at a low location so that um, they have easy access to this? Are there ramps throughout? Are the corridors wide enough? Is every single space have the allowance for a turning circle of a wheelchair? Is there grab rails in the bathroom? All these things. So yeah, if you if you are going to commit and you think this is your target market, which I highly recommend making spaces accessible. And then the same goes for child friendly. So you can offer a travel cot and maybe some and um, like baby cups and um, plates and stuff but to go further and look at and if things are um, safe like safe for a child like for example cordless blinds and because that can be a a big um, kind of danger thinking about if fireplaces are covered up and ideally tvs would be mounted to the wall where possible no short edges so yeah thinking about this it's another layer to the kind of uh, functionality and the design of the space and then the the last one, which we touched on, is pet friendly. So again, more and more people are traveling with pets. So it really can increase bookings by introducing this. But this should be considered at the early stages of the design process because, of course, some materials are more suitable for pets than others. Um, some are much more durable. Certain things like um, velvets and stuff show up um, hairs and uh, dirt quite um, easily. So probably not the best idea to to specify this finish um, within the tiers if it's going to be pet friendly. And yeah, thinking about uh, the other little thoughtful touches, like would you provide a dog bowl, maybe some dog treats, and thinking about the, the, whole, the whole experience so that it can be as convenient for the, um, the person that books as possible. So yeah, that's some kind of tips on making your space and um, finding your niche and making it um, accessible pet friendly and child friendly i think yeah you've got some really important points there i think finding the niche is so important and it's it's the first module of my course actually is working out what sort of b&b you want to run and what sort of guests you want to attract and a lot of people do my training and think they've got to appeal to everybody because mm-hmm. by appealing to everybody they think they're going to attract more people but actually the the opposite happens is if you try and appeal to everybody you end up appealing to far fewer people because you're automatically going to exclude some people. So if you're dog friendly, you're going to put off 50% of the population who don't like dogs. Mm-hmm. And quite often people that even who have dogs don't, and don't take their dogs when they go away, don't want to stay in the dog friendly room. But by being dog friendly, it makes it much easier to target those people. And I always say you should be dog friendly or child friendly, not just accepting them. I think there's a difference between just accepting people and actually really, as you say, thinking about the design so when it comes to child friendly thinking about the safety aspect how easy is it for a family to use the room so yeah it's 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 not just a case of getting a shovel cotton and and getting some mugs is, is it is, is much more to think about there really and uh, yeah just making it as convenient as well that's a really good point Karen because yeah you don't want to do a light touch of anything you want to do something thoroughly and make sure it's really convenient because if 
if someone's booking for pet friendly, for example, and there's just, it, it kind of works or child friendly is probably a better example. It kind of works. There's some basic amenities, but it doesn't really tick all the boxes and they're not going to be fully satisfied with the space. Um, so yeah, it, it, it makes sense to choose your niche and really invest in that and design that in from the, the start wherever possible or retrofit it to make sure that yeah, it really works. And to do your research at the early stages and design it into the, the bed and breakfast for the best results. Yeah. And just a point on the accessibility. There is a, a legal requirement to make, to make your B&B, at, to make reasonable adjustment to make your B&B accessible. Um, yeah. People get a bit scared by that, but it's it's just a case of understanding the different disabilities that are out there and what you can do to exactly. make your B&B accessible. So it's, there's actually something called the National Accessible Scheme, uh, which you can register for, but the, the guidelines for that are really useful because it talks about the different levels of accessibility. So like mobility, hearing, vision, and the sorts of things you can do. And it's split into three sections. So, you know, if you're going to go all out accessible, you can do this, or there's a sort of a, a middle ground, all this less. But it's just thinking, cause, you know, I think 10% of the UK population are registered as disabled. There's a lot that can be done um, at the design stage to make it as, yeah, just a comfortable experience for everyone. Yeah. Uh, excellent. So we are now into your last tip. You yes. know, a bit, but I think so many interesting things. <laughs> yeah. Well, for just a little bit, don't want to take this Only half an hour. <laughs> Um, so yeah, last tip is cleaning. So to design a space which is easy to clean and is super durable because we want the space to last and to be easy to maintain. So thinking about different elements within the space, for example, can the toilet be um, wall mounted so you have easy access to clean underneath? Thinking about the, the decor you include to reduce too much dusting i i do advise using some decor because it definitely adds to the look of a space but um not filling it with too much and then thinking about the textiles you use like for example if you use woven textiles with two two or more colors of yarn and um, they don't show up dirt so much so um of course they need to be cleaned but there's there's small like small stains and stuff will be hidden a little bit more if you go for a, a woven textile and then also think about things such as bedding. So, for example, um, bedding can be quite a labour-intensive process um, with the ironing as well. So could you potentially look for easy to easy iron bedding um, to make that process um, faster? Um, and then another couple of things to say are um, looking at tiles in a bathroom. Um, if it's larger, if they're larger format on the floor, then there's less there's less ground and um, so that also um, makes it easier um, to clean and thinking about frameless doors as well um, in uh, showers because quite often the metal is what sh shows all the fingerprints and the dirt and stuff so it's easier just to clean one surface of the glass rather than all the the metal frames around and yeah last point as well is thinking about I know we touched on um, wall hung um, toilets but also thinking about wall hung sinks because there is if you have a, a vanity unit which has lots of small kind of joins and details in it it's much more labor intensive to clean all these individual things so really when it comes to cleaning minimalism is a really good approach because there's just less kind of little nooks and crannies to, to get in and clean 
and is is easier to maintain and and keep it looking like really sharp and correct. When I talk about design, it's actually my number one tip is to start with how easy is it to clean. Having cleaned a B&B for 17 years, we've got this, this furniture in one room that's got a little ledge all underneath the surface and it's just, mm-hmm. it's just an extra bit to clean, you know. It's, mm-hmm. why, why did I not think about that when we bought it? So, Well, that's brilliant, Alicia. Some really useful hints and tips for people there. If people wanted to find out more about you, to to work with you how how do they get in contact so my business name is a design story and story is my last name so it's spelt with a ie on the end and you can find me on instagram or also directly on my uh, website as well so yeah at a design story excellent well thank you very much and you um you're based in scotland aren't you but you do work remotely most of the time is that right yeah exactly yeah my whole design process lends to remote work unless it comes to the kind of photo shoots to get those marketing photographs but yeah predominantly uh, work in the in the UK and but I do have a few uh, international clients as well yeah so people shouldn't be shouldn't be worried that they're that they're not in the same well not in Scotland that they they can it can be anywhere really to work with you it's fantastic anything else you'd like to add no, I just um, really want to thank you for um, having me on today. It's been really lovely to, to chat. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. really appreciate it. Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you very much. It's been, it's been really useful. Certainly, design is, is something that is not my strong point. So I, I was very grateful when, you got, when we sort of got in touch and we, we, we discussed working, uh, doing this podcast together. It's always useful to have someone else who's got strengths that you don't necessarily have yourselves. So brilliant. <laughs> So thank you very much. Thanks so much, Catherine. Lovely. Thank you.